2: Welcome to the Man City Show, it's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. So, at half-time, 2-0 down against Spurs in midweek. On the back of two consecutive defeats then, something was said at half-time. City roared back with an outstanding second-half performance to win 4-2. Then three more goals and a clean sheet against Wolves at the weekend. Pep's had a few things to say. haaland has got a new t-shirt to wear under his shirt. Why always three? Arsenal march on. And where's Foden? Well, to discuss all that and much more, I've got three guests. Welcome to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hi, Nigel. Good to be with you. And to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hi, Nigel. And a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Listen, Rob, let's start with you. Um, Pep, not like him. He's had a few things to say. He's normally reasonably reserved, doesn't often criticise, but was quite
4: critical, I thought, you could argue. I think he was critical and uh, fair play to him. He was entitled to be critical. The first half against Spurs was pretty mediocre and in savage contrast to the second half, which was much more electric and vibrant. So what he said at half time clearly worked. What he said at the end, I think was entirely justified as well. I think the... The merit of Pep is that he chooses his time uh, to make his criticisms. He doesn't uh, criticise individuals on their own very easily. And he was quite right to attack the attitude of of the the players and of the crowd. And I, I entirely support that. What I don't agree with is that most people were booing the players. I just don't think that was the case. I was there. I, my interpretation was that uh, uh, they were booing the referee for the harsh treatment of Rico Lewis during the first half. But nevertheless, it wasn't a terribly good atmosphere and it could have been better. And what happened on Sunday was a direct response to that. So I think, uh, well done, Pat, you did very well. We'll come back to Sunday. Edward, do you have the same
2: view? I mean, City, what, conceded two very late goals in the half and were performing quite badly. There is a school of thought and certainly a lot of the press would say, actually, come on, you're wearing sky blue spectacles again, you City fans. Actually, it was kind of a an immediate reaction and a, and a gut reaction from the fans to say, we haven't enjoyed that very much. And it's actually a number of people were booing the players. Where, where, where do you sit on that?
3: Well, I was at the game as well. And There's no doubt it was quite a tepid atmosphere. There wasn't a lot happening in the game. City weren't playing uh, at the the heights that they can play. And there was, as Rob says, a lot of frustration that grew throughout the game in the first half, the way that the referee was not protecting Rico Lewis and some of the the challenges that were flying in and some of the decisions not going our way. And then that then got catalyzed by a really lacklustre last 10 minutes or so, where we it was like the bad old days, wasn't it, Nigel, when uh, suddenly we just capitulated and we have this terrible habit, which I know we discussed before on the podcast, about when we just we give one goal away and then we can see another one very quickly afterwards. And it has to be to do with concentration, uh, desire, uh, making sure that we we don't let that, that attitude uh, take over. And I think it was a culmination of all those things that meant at the end of that first half, some people, not that many, but some people vented their frustrations a little bit. Um, and that boiled over clearly into the dressing room from uh, from what John Stones was saying uh, about the reaction that uh, Pep gave them uh, a bit of a dressing down. But it had the desired effect. And if you look at the greatest managers we've seen in the Premier League, the likes of Alex Ferguson, um, this is the way that they re-energise and get their team back to the level they need to be to continue to be champions. And I think Pep recognises that, that we've gone into a little bit of an autopilot We need a shake-up. We couldn't have had a third defeat on the bounce because that becomes a cultural problem, which isn't just the players, it's the whole club. And I think he's right to point that out. It's a sense that we've had this good feeling for a long time now, but we can't take it for granted. And he's given them a kick up the backside.
2: A bit of complacency, maybe Stephen, a word that's been bandied about as well, which we haven't seen for a while, because it's amazingly he's just rejuvenated this side season on season and continues to improve them. But a bit of complacency, maybe the last few games. Yeah,
1: I think the point that Pep made, sort of when he was a player, he said he'd won four consecutive league titles, and then um, that hunger just drops off. But I think that's totally natural. And then he said Real Madrid. Um, won it the next two years after that. And the link is that Arsenal are hungrier than us because they've not won it for 20 years. I think that's human nature. We all understand that there's going to be that drop-off if you've not, you know, if you've achieved your objective. The challenge, and I think this is where Pepper's struggled, is to kick us on again. Um and you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, we've won the Premier League a few times now. We're going to focus on the Champions League. Well, you get so few Champions League matches per season. You can't just think we're going to focus on six group games. Then there's going to be a two-month break. And, you know, he demand he's so demanding that, you know, I think it's just his way, as, as Edward said, of trying to spark that reaction. Um, because it would have been very easy for him to come out after the game, after the comeback and say, we weren't at it in the first half, but you look at the spirit, you look at the hunger. We fought back We've, you know, Spurs are a really tough team to break down. We've got four in the second half. It would have been really easy for him to come out with that narrative and just keep things ticking. But he clearly just wants to spark that reaction and get the players almost to kind of argue amongst themselves and just find that, that extra 10% that's been lacking. Um, so yeah, maybe it's complacency. Maybe it's just other factors. We're not, we've got a lot of players not at their best at the moment. And it just, that combined with the style of football that I'm sure we'll come on to, to make up for having Haaland and not having a false nine anymore. It has meant the performances have been pretty um, slow, I think, in the last few weeks.
2: And that's a word I've used: slow and ponderous. When you compare it with how we have been in previous Premier League winning campaigns, where we move the ball quickly, um, but we haven't seen that. But certainly in the second half, Edward, we did. I mean, that was a good performance. You know, <laughs> anybody's language, you, you you couldn't argue with that. I mean, we saw, as I say, we we move the ball quicker. I think Mares and the wingers they were they were attacking the the defenders like we've not seen for a while, and it was a bit more like the old city.
3: It was. It was much more energetic, direct. Uh, that The pace that we want to see the ball pinged about, it was positive, less of this uh, sort of tippy-tappy at the back. And then to go back to, to Edison, who then sort of just puts his foot on top of the ball for what seems to be about three minutes before he then decides who he's going to pass it to. Uh, and it just gave um, a, a completely different atmosphere in the, the stadium and, of course, not quite as... Uh, that the heady heights of the, the last game of last season uh, against uh, Villa when we were 2-0 down and scored three goals in seven minutes or whatever it was. Uh, but it had a little bit of that feeling again. Um, and you knew that when we got one, uh, that they believed again that they could break down uh, Spurs, who, you know, that they're, they're, they're OK, but there, there's a certain level of brittleness at the back there. And we really started to exploit that and find the gaps and show, a, dare I say, a little bit of that hunger uh, that was missing in the first half. And uh, to be fair to Mares, he was uh, very much at the heart of that, which isn't always the case. Uh, so I think a lot of credit has to go to him. And Rob, he's
2: been out the side, hasn't he? He's been in and out. He hasn't had a consistent place. And what a
4: performance from Mares! I mean, it's probably the best he's played for City, I suppose you could argue, in that game. It was absolutely thrilling. And, uh, you know, I feel ashamed of some of the stuff I see on social media from so-called City fans about Mares, how he's passed his best and best get rid of him and he's not committed. I mean, his ability to trap the ball at very high speed and then to change direction is wonderful. And we saw it in both games and it's just uh, an absolute thrill to watch. And the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, we spent £100 million on Grealish and some of us have wondered whether or not that was a good investment. But in the last three months, we're beginning to see an exciting Grealish who is worth his place in the team. And he seems to get better and more confident every game. And I think that's been very important in the last two games as well. So uh, that that is extremely encouraging. Uh, you, your view Stephen,
2: on on Mahrez and, and Grealish, and I'm and just to make it even more complicated. I'm going to throw another name in. There's already been mentioned, of course, who was kicked all round the park, and yeah. we didn't spend any money on him. I don't think. Well, I think we've given him a few pat lunches and, and stuff over the last few, <laughs> few seasons to, 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 to send him on his way. But what an impact Rico Lewis has made! A young eighteen-year-old who looks looks. Sensational! I have to say, he looks absolutely brilliant. So, sort of You pick any one of those three, or all three, if um, you
1: want. I'll cover all three if you want. I think with Rico, uh, he's unbelievable. Every single decision is correct. Whether it's to move into midfield or stay wide, or you know, stick further back. If it's in midfield, it's whether to take the ball forward or just give it to Rodri or one of the centre backs. Every single decision. He seems to get spot on. The really interesting thing with Rico is he he must have massively benefited from the World Cup break because before the World Cup, when Walker was out injured, Cancela was either left back or not in favour. Stones played at right back for a few games. Akanji played at right back for a couple of games. Rico played in the Cups, but Pep didn't trust him at all in the league, even when it was on paper a much easier fixture. And yet after the World Cup, Pet must have worked with him quite intensely in that period. You'd almost say he's our first choice right back now because he's in the system we play where it's basically three centre-backs and then he comes into midfield. He does that role that Walker can't do. Walker's just not, it's not one of his skill sets to be that good on the ball. He offers so much elsewhere. So Rico's been an absolute revelation. Very quickly on Mahrez and Grealish, I agree totally with what the guys have said. Grealish, I mean, it's a cliche. We've said it so often that Pep signings often take a year to actually understand the demands of the role and what Pep wants in and out of possession. There's so many players we could all name who are better in their second year than their first. Grealish, I think the last couple of games especially, has been brilliant. He's almost had that drive when he's on the ball instead of being happy just to, to get the ball, give it back to Ake or give it back to one of the midfielders. It's like he's the one trying to make things happen same with Mares. Rob touched on his first touch and that control it's breathtaking and you know it's going to be so good you know when the ball's in midair on the way to him he'll control it first time and then he's often away Um, I think against Spurs it was the fact that there was no De Bruyne no Foden you know they're the players we'd normally turn to but no Bernardo and Mara's just seemed to take that responsibility to be the one to make things happen. And often, in our team, he's maybe the he's the impact sub who can come off the bench if if things haven't worked. But against Spurs and um, at the weekend, he, he's just taken that responsibility. He's been brilliant since the World Cup.
2: Rob, I know uh, that Rico Lewis is is no Freddie Hill, obviously, and and, uh, he's he's not in his bracket. But what do you see in him uh, as as a player coming through? And do you compare him with anybody in particular being serious for a moment that you've you've seen? Is is he up there in terms of the impact he's made after just so few games?
4: Uh, It's too soon. And we shouldn't put the pressure on him by comparing him with greats at this point. He's Rico Lewis, and he's much faster than Freddie Hill, actually. Um, though probably not as skillful uh, and he's a magnificent uh young player and they talk about Philip Lahm and so on. But you know, we shouldn't do that. We need to glory in what's happening in his first few games. He's played against big teams, you know Liverpool, Chelsea, um Tottenham, and he hasn't been bullied out of the game. He's obviously taken from his father. I think was a kick, is a kickboxer, uh, and so he's obviously had a tough upbringing. And uh, that that that's extremely valuable. But he has the capacity not only to be a fullback but to play in midfield as well. And that is that is wonderful. And uh, you know, long may it continue. He's he's quick. He's intelligent. He's not. Uh, phased by being uh, people uh, hassling him. He could have, you know, another player would have been sent off after the way he was trodden on. But, you know, I was really angry about that. And that's, you know, I think the referee failed to protect him in in that respect. But he's an absolute gem. But, you know, look look what's happened to Palmer. Palmer was the rising young hope. Uh, And, you know, he's fallen off this season and he hasn't had... Uh, a great season so you have to be patient and and uh, uh encourage these young players not just assume it, everything's going to be rosy from from the basis of half a dozen outstanding games
2: edward just before we move on your your thoughts on rico lewis as well briefly
3: well first of all he's uh, another uh, a big tick for the academy he's come all the way through and I think we're now starting to see the the fruits of that labour in the academy over the last decade, where they're being brought up in the Pep way, and their transition into the first team squad, and then into the cup team, and now into the, the first team has been for you know, about half a dozen of them now. Something where we the, the step up hasn't been so uh, so, so it hasn't been too much for them for, the, for them to be able to make an impact. So I think Rico Lewis. If you remember a few seasons ago, Cancelo was the, the right back who was, or sometimes left back, who was uh, marauding into midfield. No one could really say what his position was. Uh, for some reason, which we may come on to, he seems to have dropped off and dropped out of favour. But fortunately, we seem to have almost a ready made replacement in, with Rico. But I agree with Rob, it is still very much in the infancy of his uh, it's a top level professional career. We need to look after him the same way we did with Foden pep clearly trusts him likes the, his decision making and he also does what pep tells him to do which uh is always going to uh give him uh, a a good a good, uh, a good run in the team uh but let's hope he, he can kick on from here and and not uh, be one of those that we see for half dozen games and then they disappear off on loan somewhere and we never see them again because i think he's better than that
2: all right before we move on to the wolves game Stephen, i'm gonna i hesitate before i ask this question i'm gonna do it anyway um Edison, uh, not the best <laughs> shot-stopper in the world, um, and I've mentioned the complacent word already, and kind of that distribution from out the back. Normally, his distribution is fantastic, but a bit of a lazy pass. Just a bit of a question mark. Is he becoming a bit of a liability? Is he good enough? Will we win the Champions League with I, Edison? I
1: so many questions. I can, what I do you can think? tell now why you were hesitant to ask that question, because it's a ridiculous question to ask. The you look at the mistake that the Wolves keeper made against us, the simple pass out that, that went straight to Mares. that the way that we play, you'd expect Edison to make a lot more mistakes than he does. We take risks. You know what he's like. He puts his foot on the ball. He wants to draw the attackers towards him because it then creates space for for other players. He makes so, so few mistakes given the way we play and how much he sees the ball that, Anytime he does make an error, like he did against Spurs, you remember it because it's so rare. If you think he's been with us, I don't know, what, five, six years now, you could probably on one hand pull out the the mistakes he's made. So Pet wouldn't change him for anyone because of how good he is with his feet. I agree totally with your comment. He's not the best shot stopper. I don't think he saves as many as top keepers would. But I don't think Pep would swap him for anyone because of actually how important his distribution, both short and long, because he has got the ability to kick it 70 yards up the field. Um, Pep wouldn't swap him for anyone.
2: That's his job, isn't it? Stopping shots, Rob? He's not good enough. Weren't with the Champions League with Edison between the six. Some people might argue.
4: Some people, but not me or Stephen. I agree absolutely with Stephen. I mean, it's not... for, for... Elderly men like me, it's not a good watch in terms of uh the heart rate because he does take enormous risks in in holding on to the ball and trying to uh wait as long as he can, as Stephen said. So it's it's not a good watch. And when City are not absolutely on it, they do look terribly slow as a re- partly as a result of that, and because of the failure to transition quickly from midfield to attack. But I would have Edison above anybody else in in the Premier League, given given what's on offer. And I think we're very, very lucky to have him.
2: Is it full house, is it, Edward? We've got a three out of three, or are you going to have a different view?
3: Oh, he's still in my team, Nigel. Don't forget the fourth goal that was created by Edison, who who pinged it up the park, and uh, Mauro's managed to latch onto it after a mistake by the defender. So I think sometimes him playing to the, the real edges and the margins of, of the game help create chances for us that otherwise wouldn't be there. And uh, it is exciting to watch. It can be nerve-wracking as well. Uh, but overall, I think in the service he's given the club and the contribution he's made to the many trophies we've won, uh, and also now the experience he's got in the Premier League, I don't think there's anyone better.
2: All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll just check in and just check if we are better with or without Haaland. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I guess you'll all have a view. Uh, We'll talk about Arsenal, and we'll try and find out where Phil Foden is, and we'll do all that straight after this break.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps)
2: Welcome back. Edward, look, some people have argued that City are better without Haaland. Obviously, he had a a goal drought. He went two games without a goal. A drought, they call that, Edward. Two whole games without scoring. Uh, So, City haven't quite adapted yet. We're actually better without him. Respond, please.
3: Well, they need to create something that is one step up from the golden boot, because, I don't know, the platinum boot or whatever it may be, because, I mean, he's already scored more goals than those who won the golden boot last season uh, I think it was at Son and Salah who got something like 23 goals he's already on 25 and he, he's only played 20, 20 matches I'm not sure he's even played in all of them uh, and he's not playing the whole 90 minutes in every match I mean it's just off the charts and have another, another hat trick this weekend he's now i think he's scored um more hat-tricks in his first 19 games than aguero did in the first four or five seasons he played for city something like that i mean every time you read the statistics you can't quite believe that they're true uh, but they are and he is just a goal machine and yes it's true that we have had to adapt to him being in the team we knew that was going to ha- happen and some players i think have probably found it more difficult than others uh, to to accommodate him and he's still learning himself, amazingly, in the team, uh, how he can be most effective. And even in the the game at, at the uh, weekend, we saw him uh, dropping back a little bit more to try and do some link play. And he's doing quite good at that as well, which is quite handy. So, no, he, he is the star man. Uh, he will continue scoring a phenomenal amount of goals. And when it comes to the Champions League, although we don't want to completely obsess about it, uh, I think he is the reason we have the best possible chance of winning that competition for the first time. And maybe the inverted wingers that we're using at the moment who, so you've got uh greenish on the left, but coming in on the right, you've got Mahrez on the right coming on the left. Maybe that makes some of the crosses for him to, to latch onto more difficult. But I think all the players know now what he's capable of. Uh, and they're now finding ways of bringing him into the game. And he may only need half a dozen touches to get a hat-trick. But I don't care because that's more goals than you've seen from any player who's played for City at the rate he's going at. And he's... Uh, what is he, 21? I don't know. He's he's still... Uh, he's quite a bit younger than me. I know that, Nigel. Uh, so, no. Uh, and with KDB back in as well, who I think is now on his 12th assist this season, which uh, is more than the last three seasons, on track for his best since the 18-19 season, back in tandem with Haaland, I, I just think we've got the best... Uh, creator and goal scorer, uh, if not in the world, then certainly in Europe and definitely uh, in the English English Premier League. And Hahn has to be central to that.
2: I mean, he's good, Rob, and he scores lots of goals, but we're better without him, yeah? That's right,
4: that's what people are saying. That's right, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Well, you're wrong. Um, And the people who say that are either stupid or malevolent because... It is just the most exciting thing in European football at the moment. And what Edward says is exactly right. I mean, who else uh, uh, can can compare with him? Um, uh, Kane has scored 15 goals. He's the nearest, so he's 10 behind him. And Haaland is such a wonderful character, as well as being a fabulous football player. He's a true City uh, player, he's deeply appreciative of the crowd. He, you know, he 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 thanks the crowd. Uh, his temperament is outstanding, and his relationship with Kevin de Bruyne is just mesmeric. It's it's it it's, it's wonderful. So look at the people who say City are better without him. Didi Haman, who has no uh, credibility given his continuous uh, attempt to undermine. Uh, City. It's people who've got a grudge against uh, City who say uh, who question his talent. He's the greatest talent in Europe at the moment, and any anyone who says to the contrary just needs to come and look at the figures.
2: Stephen, I mean, you're you're a great uh, <clears throat> professor of the game, and, and I know you uh, you look home and abroad and and i always bow to your great knowledge what why would people be saying that what is it what is it there help us understand obviously i'm playing a game here so you all know as i always do but what what is it people are seeing why are they saying that because i just i don't understand it at all i mean it's a non as everybody said quite rightly it's it's a nonsense
1: yeah i I think i don't think anyone's saying we're better without it but i think what where there is a, a, a if i try to understand where people are coming from it's we as a team on not playing as well as we did last season. The football isn't as free-flowing. It's not as precise. It's not as attacking and intense. And that is in basic terms because Haaland doesn't touch the ball. Because, As Edward said, he doesn't need many touches to score a hat-trick. But if you think the last couple of seasons when post-Aguero, Jesus preferred to play out wide at times... We basically played with a false nine who was either Foden or Bernardo most of the time. Grealish did it a little bit as well. But that extra player has dropped back into midfield. So we've had another body in there to control the game. And it's meant that we absolutely bossed possession. But there are a few times when we get the ball into the box and there's no one there, or we need 10 chances to score one goal. Whereas now, Haaland, you can see he he tries to adapt to the way we play and he tries to drop deeper, but it's not what he wants to be doing. You see, he just wants to be on the shoulder of the last man and making those bursts through and no one can live with the pace and and power of his runs. But it means that he barely touches the ball. I think he had 16 touches against Wolves, which when you think, I know he was only on the pitch for an hour, that's one touch every four minutes. And, that's in a game where we, I don't know, I guess we probably had 70, 75% possession. We've absolutely dominated. And we're on the attack the whole time and he touches it once every four minutes. You just don't see that. So you what you lose in the build-up, you then gain because instead of needing 10 chances to score a goal, we need one or two chances and he finishes it off. And that his goal scoring is unbelievable, but it has impacted the way we play and the way that we control games. So I can see why there's a a conversation to be had but the challenge is really for the rest of the players and mainly for pep to find a way to play that plays to Haaland's strengths because he is unstoppable
2: what do you read into the foden situation rob you, you obviously he's uh, i think he was so he wasn't fully fit i think is the way it was described by pep uh, yeah. but obviously not uh, drop in form prior to that what, what, what do you see the situation around foden
4: so it, just as a preliminary to that, I, I would agree with Stephen, but it's also the case that some key City players have been under par this season or have been missing. You know, we've desperately missed Ruben Diaz uh, as a stabling force in the centre. Um, Cancelo and Walker have not had great seasons. Um, and Foden also has not had a great season. He's been very disappointing since he came back from an excellent World Cup. And I I don't know, but I think that Pep is making the judgment that he wants players to know that they don't have an automatic place, that they have to have the passion uh, to, uh, to deserve selection. And he also made the point that Foden's had a second child and that might have uh, taken his eye off the ball as far as uh, football is concerned. I don't know about that. But I trust Pep enough to know when he's prepared to take people out. It includes De Bruyne as well, Cancelo, Walker. I don't think we should overly focus on Foden. I think this is part of Pep's strategy for keeping people hungry uh, and want- wanting to play uh, in every game. Edward, what
2: does he need to do to... To get back in this team, then, if we've got kind of Mares and Grealish, who both, us, so if they continue like that, he's going to find it difficult to get back in. I would have thought, isn't he? If they continue to perform the way they have the last couple of games,
3: uh, he is. But he will get an opportunity if he's if he's fit and he shows the, the right attitudes in tra- in training uh, and around around the, the team. Then he, whether it's on on Friday in the the cup against Arsenal, uh, he will get uh, a chance to display what we know he's capable of. I mean, I think it was the. Everton game on New Year's Eve where he was particularly poor. It may be, I think it was that game. Uh, misplaced passes, not strong in the tackle. So he clearly lost some form. His head wasn't necessarily um, in the right place. So this may be the best thing for him to rediscover that uh, away from uh, the, the bright lights that the Etihad. But we want to see him back because we would get so excited uh, when we, we see him on the pitch. Uh, he's delivered uh, a lot in the early season. There was that game when both him and Harlan got a hat-trick. So uh, it's still there for us. And it may be that he just needs uh, a a few games to rediscover his form. And it may be they're also the new system, although he scored a hat-trick in the same game as Harlan, as I said, it may be the new system. He's still adapting to it, understanding uh, his role in the team. Because, uh, similarly with uh, Bernardo, who has played well in, in parts this season, but was also occasionally looked a little bit lost, not quite understanding what, what his role is, that uh, there's uh, still uh, some some change that's going on in the patterns that the team create on the pitch. And, and Foden needs to find where he can be the linchpin and the, the creator and also score some more goals. So I expect him to be back. Uh, and I just hope he's uh, at, at the level that we know he's capable of.
2: He's still a great player, isn't he, Stephen? You don't uh, class is permanent. Form is temporary, I think somebody once said. He's, he's
1: the best young England player. He's He'll be in our first team for the next probably 12, 13 years. I, I think some of it is to do with the system in that, as we said before, because Haaland's there, everyone else has to have more control. And Foden's a risk taker. You can see when he gets the ball, he just wants to dribble he wants to take people on he wants to make something happen and Pep at the moment especially when De Bruyne is in the team because he's a risk taker and he's the one who seems to be given the freedom to try and play these incredible defense splitting passes crosses into the box I don't think Pep whilst we're not at our best generally wants to have too many risk takers in there he prefers Grealish who you can give him the ball and he'll keep it he might take someone on he might pass it back but he won't lose it whereas foden i think that's the side of the the part of the game he needs to develop but you almost don't want to take that risk taking away from him because that's what makes him so special and he he kind of so exciting to watch he's not in his best form i really really hope there's something not happening off the pitch with him because uh, you'd like to think that he maintains that focus and that drive but you know they've said it was an injury but on form, there's no way you have Cole Palmer on the bench ahead of Foden if if you need to make something happen. So, yeah, let's hope there's not more to it. Um, let's hope he's back. Yeah, as Edward said, I think he might get the chance against um, Arsenal in the Cup. Well, let's
2: talk about Arsenal and Edward. Uh, they march on. Uh, I know we've been talking about the league and, and of course, we uh, we play them in the Cup uh, on Friday night at the Etihad. Uh, interesting. Is it going to be, what, full strength, make a statement, um, big head-to-head, or is it kind of rotate? Well, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it, for Pep?
3: Yeah, it is a difficult one. I mean, I think he will probably rotate uh, and give some of those players who need to get into form who have been struggling uh, to find it. And we've got a heavy fixture list coming up. So once we get this game out of the way, then through the whole of February, we've got Spurs away, Villa home, Arsenal away, Forest away, and then Leipzig away. And actually, in the next seven games, five of those are away. So he's going to have to do some rotation. I mean, to be fair to Arsenal, halfway through the season, they're on 50 points. I remember another team doing that once, and they went on to get 100 uh in uh 2017-18 uh, which um was uh, a pretty remarkable achievement people thought it would never be done again mm. uh, but so far Arsenal on track I don't think they will but I think we have to expect that they're going to get um, over 90 points this season so if we're going to edge them we're going to have to have a, a better second half of the season than we've had first half and that for me is consistency um interestingly Arsenal have, have had seven players who played every single one of their Premier League fixtures. I, th- I don't think we can name maybe maybe one, maybe two. Um, I'm not sure whether, maybe none. I don't know. But we have had uh, uh, perhaps some of the, the issues that they have not had to deal with. Uh, Diaz, I think, has been uh, a, a big, big loss for us during that period. Uh, but we are still only five points behind them. I know they've got a game in hand. We've still got to play them twice. So I think the game on Friday, yes, there'll be some rotation, but it's at the Etihad. I think it's a chance to sort of get in their faces uh, and make them realise that you know we're not just going to hand it to them on a plate. Um, this is as as Pep's big jing us all up to do a chance for us to demonstrate why we have won four out of the last five Premier Leagues.
2: And how do you see Arsenal so far this season, Rob, in terms of the way they've performed? Uh, and then just a kind of an eye on the the fixture on Friday night, which, as we know, is obviously in the FA Cup.
4: Well, I've been waiting for Arsenal to stumble, to show a lack a lack of character for Xhaka to be sent off in a fit of uh, rage and uh, Zinchenko to have a mediocre game. And I haven't uh, experienced any of that. And they've been superb. And even losing Jesus hasn't uh, uh, stopped them because they have a, a superb substitute in in the guy who scored yesterday. So you take your hats off to uh, the Arsenal manager. He's stolen Pep's ideas brilliantly and he's stolen Pep's players and he's got good players of his own so you know well done to Arsenal Uh, but you know listening to Pep he says that the secret of being a good manager is to have a very big squad that you can rotate so that it doesn't get overtired and I think there are players who are not getting enough game time who deserve it and we will need them in the course of the season the most outstanding example of that is Alvarez, who played beautifully against Spurs and then found himself as a substitute on Sunday. So I imagine he he will play. The guy we bought from Leeds, I can't remember his name. Uh, Calvin Phillips. Oh, that's it. Calvin Phillips. I mean, he's a very, very good player. He needs game time. I trust him. I think he should play. So I, I would rotate without necessarily saying... Uh, that that we're giving up on the tie. I think that they have enough talent to take Arsenal on, and I'm sure Arsenal will rotate as well. So uh, it should be an exciting game, and hopefully the home advantage will will see us through.
2: Stephen, your your thoughts of on Arsenal season as the other guys uh, have done, then and, and a quick word on the on the cup tie as well.
1: <coughs> yeah, they've been they've been brilliant. They've been so consistent and playing a style of football that is obviously very familiar to us um yeah they've been really really impressive I, I actually have no idea what Pep will do in the cup normally you'd think he'll rotate but I think there's two sides to it one is we've not got a fixture for a few days until Friday and then we've got more than a week's break afterwards till the next weekend so it's not like not often in the middle of the season you'll play Wednesday then it's a cup at the weekend and then there's another Wednesday afterwards so he's got the chance to play his full strength 11 if he wants to purely on fitness. The other side is psychological. If we were to lose to Arsenal in the cut, what impact does that have on us mentally chasing them in the league? So I really don't know. I think Ortega will play in net, but beyond that, you know, you can say, or oh, Walker needs to play Diaz needs match fitness. Cancelo needs to come in. Calvin Phillips just needs to get used to our system and processes. But you can easily imagine Pep saying, I'm going to go full strength today. we we'll win this game. And if we win, there's going to be more chances later down the line in the season for players to be rested, rotated, given their opportunity.
2: And Stephen, finally, uh, we then go to Spurs. You've already said there's quite a big break. It's kind of the Sunday, isn't it? The Sunday afterwards that we go to Spurs, play them 4.30 that Sunday afternoon. think um, I was just thinking back since Spurs have been to their in their new stadium. I think I've seen city every time we've played. And I think I'm right in saying I haven't celebrated a city goal. Yet. I, I
1: mean, is that, is exactly, that right? Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I think yeah. I've been there every game. Haven't scored. Um, but this is at the minute, this is a different Spurs to previous seasons. Kane is a brilliant player. The way you can drop deep and take defenders with him and, and just create space for others. Son is the key for them. Son this season has been off it. Whereas in previous years, he seems to turn into prime messy against us. Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of weeks before then. Um, so, but you'd like to think you know, we can beat Arsenal, have that confidence and momentum, go and beat Spurs and then see where we're at for the game at the uh, Emirates.
2: Beat Spurs that weekend, Edward Just looking forward, I know it's a little while away But uh, you're confident about that going away at Spurs This time, as Stephen said, it's a different Spurs side
3: Yeah, I, it's going to be a difficult game And unfortunately, it's a really I mean, they're all key games, aren't they? But it's a particularly key game Because if we can we can win that uh, Then we're at home against Villa a week later uh, And then after that, it's Arsenal away So if you can, if you can go to uh, to the Emirates still right on their coattails Um, that gives us I think um, uh, uh, an extra incentive to to continue that trend Um, I'm ashamed to say I have been to Spurs this season but City weren't playing it was a Champions League game uh, that a friend uh, a friend of mine invited me to and it was it was classic Spurs where they I think a lot of games this season they've gone a goal behind in the first half not played well and then um, sometimes I turn it around second half, sometimes I haven't. We have, when we've gone ahead at, um, at the interval, we have not been beaten in 33 matches. So the key to that game is going to be us scoring first uh, and getting Spurs on the back foot when they're vulnerable in the first half. And I think we should win that game. If we play like we did first half uh, as against them uh, at home, I think we'll be in trouble.
2: Rob, finally, your thoughts ahead of that Spurs game.
4: Yeah, I, the, the highlight of the, the Spurs game on Thursday night for me was when Sun had the ball steaming forward and Grealish came like a bat out of hell to tackle him from 50 yards. And that demonstrated the kind of commitment that you need in order to beat Spurs. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, let us always remember that there were a lot of people who wanted to sign Kane and not Haaland. And Haaland is the great uh, redeemer for us in games like that. And I I think he has the composure uh, to be able to make it count uh, if everybody else is on their form. So I'm optimistic. And I think Spurs are a bit of a shambles at the moment. And their goalkeeper is awful just now. And long may that continue
2: amazing thank you very much to my three guests to rob and ctid to Stephen Allwise, and to edward Timpson. this is nigel rothpan saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon
1: if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk
0: sports social podcast network